This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight, and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walking out of here, keep the pat on back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. <laughs> <laughs> APAC, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the most terrific, wonderful, awesome uh, football club in anywhere uh, that's ever been discovered or even imagined. That is uh, the Footscray Football Club, trading as Western Bulldogs. I'm Danny McGinley. With me is Tom Boyd. You might know Tom Boyd. He uh, kicked that winning goal in that time we won the men's grand final. It was, uh, look, if you've got a, I think it's on DVD somewhere. Go and watch it. It'll cheer you up. Tom, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's on DVD. YouTube, find it in all good bookstores, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, good to be here, mate. Another week and an exciting round, obviously, for the, the women going into their first uh, first final this weekend. How are you feeling? Oh, mate, that was just the best game. Watching us play Carlton at Icon, where, of course, famously, we won the 2018 uh, Premiership. It, it feels like our home away from home. And any Bulldogs fans of, of my generation just have many great memories uh, there when uh, 97, 98, we played home games before, oh, 99, went before Docklands opened. But, uh, man, it's Ellie Blackburn kicking the winner. By the way, Ellie Blackburn uh, looked injured uh, during the third quarter when Carlton were absolutely in control. She dug deep, ended up kicking the winning goal. It's genuinely one of the best uh, AFLW games I've ever watched. Did you watch it, Tom? Uh, seen the highlights? <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm absolutely outing you to the listeners right now. I was texting you, go say, "Oh my god, Ellie effing Blackburn is amazing," and you went, "What? Sorry, I'm watching something else." <laughs> and what? What I'm were you watching? De- watching Dexter, actually. Uh, heavily entrenched in uh, some bonding time with my fiance, little of which we get these days in parenthood. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't want to jinx them by jumping onto the last minute and becoming that that curse that I could have been. So oh, um, here we go. That's that's your excuse. Pretty, you don't want to jinx them. To be honest, I don't really watch much footy at all. Oh, I know. <laughs> I Try doing a podcast about footy with you. <laughs> Oh, I just pay attention from the distance. I feel like I've watched enough vision over the years. I can watch the highlights, pick up a few different things here and there. But I did say, I must say I did see that last goal from Ali and it was you know, pretty bloody incredible. Yeah, it's a shame that we were sort of buried at uh, 6 o'clock on a Friday before a long weekend. That match deserved to be prime time in the sunshine. But uh, so, I, yeah, I couldn't even get it. My kids were, were sick, so we couldn't get out to... Carlton, but uh, man, it's exciting. This is our first uh, finals campaign since 2018. And here's a fun fact. Some people might not know this. The Western Bulldogs AFLW team is undefeated in finals. We have never lost a final. So is that, how many final series was that? (laughs) One. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because well, we won it. How many premierships we won? Two. No, we've won, well, we Three. won 2016, but that was the final just Hampson-Hardeman Cup when yep. uh, it was just Melbourne and us. However, if you listen to Peter Gordon and the marketing team, we, we're we officially claiming that as a treble. We won VFL, AFL and AFLW. It's a record that I, I don't know, I don't think will ever be broken by any other lesser club. So we're no. claiming it. Two premiers. It's pretty like explicitly we were the best team in the AFLW. So we should take some sort of credit for that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you if you want to argue semantics, then I, I may I may just suggest football fandom might not be for you. So yeah, this is our second uh, premiership. Uh, oh, sorry, that was our second premiership. But yeah, we only played because it was only what eight teams back then. We only yeah. played one final. We beat the Demons in a in a heart stopper at uh, Witten Oval. Uh, you know, very Ellie Blackburn esque a goal with only minutes to go. So, but I'm just feeling, you know, by pure logic, we've never lost a final. We're now going into the finals. I, I think we should start getting tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should all get permanent tattoos based on us winning the premiership this year. And, look, I, I would hedge your bets. You can go to the point where you don't put the actual year that we want in so that <laughs> if it doesn't work out, then you can just add all, <laughs> add the date that's accurate when it is. Plus, sure this season's really that. confusing anyway, right? Yeah, I, I think I've added it on – I've seen it online, people with, uh, you know, Premier's 2020, and they've just got, like, 2020. They'll put the year in when it's won. I think it's Manchester City fans with uh, Champions League uh, things. But, look, it, it, it's so weird, the Premiership tattoo. I don't get why people get them. In that, A lot of people ask me, did you get a Premiership tattoo? I'm like – this isn't a, a day that I will absolutely never forget for the rest of my life. And, you know, not, not only that, my daughter was born 36 hours later. I've got a couple of pretty big reminders about it. Yeah. Like the way I look at it, I mean, the, us as players or a few of the boys talked about doing it for a bit and then all I was going to get was um, WBFC and then 16 next to it in small writing on my foot because that's what Brad Ottens has. And I saw that when I was going through the AIS um, and he showed me. And I was like, that is subtle. The only time people are ever going to see it is when I'm wearing thongs and then they're probably going to get distracted by my joined toes anyway. So we're all You're good. Joined? What? You have joined toes? I have joined toes. Fun fact. This is a, yeah, this is a bombshell. I would have been a really good swimmer. Is the often joke that I get. Which um, which toes are, are fused together? Which one have you got webbed feet on? I have second and third toe on both sides. One is about halfway joined, and the other is fully joined. Okay, so so not your big toe. You you one next to it, and and the middle. So hang on, the pig the piggy that stayed home and the piggy that had roast beef. They're <laughs> yeah. fused together. They're both oh, second, having a dinner date. Second and third probably is an easier way to describe it than going down the, the nursery run. We're very path. different people, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's the way. You know, look, we learn. We learn by doing. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's the sort of path that I was thinking of going down. They just never got around to it, so still unblemished in the tattoo department. But I do, I do run across a few fans every now and again, and they go, you know, big Bulldogs fan. I'm like, yeah, okay, I bet. Are you one of those Bulldogs fans who pulls up their sleeve and shows me this massive tattoo from 2016? Because those people are either mad or committed or both, if I had yeah. to guess. 
Yeah, I, I did a gig for a cricket club. Uh, I think it might have been Werribee or something, but at a, it was like a couple of months after you won the grand final for us. And he, a bloke literally had the Weg oh, oh, Mark Knight poster on the back of his head. Yeah, yeah. I think I may have met that guy before. He was a really... He, I mean, that's a lot, about. Oh, he, mate, the, I, tattoos, you know, that needles aren't fun at the best of time. I imagine getting one on the back of your scalp, that's got to be painful. <laughs> How, how many tattoos going into the game do you have to have for it to be not considered like a wildly outlandish statement by getting a, a club tattoo? Because I feel like if you've got 25 tattoos and three sleeves, like getting one more in the shape of a Western Bulldogs yeah. mascot or, or jumper or whatever is not a massive deal. But what's the over-under, you think? Oh, I, I reckon, yeah, depends how big they are as well. Uh, I'd say... Anything under six is still a big deal. Once you're over six, yeah, you're, you're nothing, mate. You're just, yeah. Wood just the, another wood day. Wood for the trees sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, like, is there a more outlandish fan statement than no tattoos to back of scalp full head? <laughs> Actually, all right, let's put it to the listeners. If you, I know a lot of you have got premiership tattoos or Bulldogs themes tattoos. What show, show us all of them? We love, we'd love to see them. Um, but what was the big? Who 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 did the biggest leap from from zero to a hundred straight away? Who got like a giant photo of a giant picture of Ted Whitten on their chest the day yeah, after? And also, if you have um, if you have friends that have got them as well, oh yeah, send them in as well because it sometimes it's easier to share other you know our friends' misgivings or yes. short shortfalls. <laughs> Than it is to share our own. So, yeah, yeah. here's a look at um, the overarching uh, fan tattoo kingdom that it may be. And, you know, uh, name and shame also other fans of other teams who have got terrible ones uh, out there. You, you'd know famously the story, uh, Boydie, of the uh, Geelong fan who uh, went over to somewhere like Thailand after 2007 and uh, he got on one arm, he got, and then he fell asleep in the chair, which is, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have any tattoos either, but I know that's a rookie move. You got to be, you got to be supervising this. Uh, he got Knight Premier's uh, right arm on one arm, and on the other arm, I think it said Gay Premier's, <laughs> but st- and then still said well, left arm as well. Or is is falling asleep in a tattoo parlor in Thailand the most cliche thing you've ever heard? <laughs> like, straight, straight out of like a Hangover wannabe. We um. We had a, a guy from our local footy club, um, Bruce, his name was. He was a massive Hawks fan. And um, we went over to a, he was over in Bali um, when we were over there when we were younger. And it must have been after, I don't know, 13 or 14 or 15, one of the many seasons that they won. And he, he goes, oh, I'm going to get a tattoo for, um, for the premiership. And we're like, oh, no worries. And he turns up the next day or a couple of days later, and he has got shoulder to shoulder a hawk standing yeah with a massive um, Hawthorne jumper that probably goes from the middle of his back to the top of his neck to the tips of his shoulders. And I was like, I thought you were just going to get like a, you know, a four by four. <laughs> no, no, not, a, not a foot and a half by a foot and a half. And was that his first tattoo? No, no. Okay, yeah, there you go. Story checks out. But still. Also, still, a that is on a, your back. That's a commitment. You get that? that uh, my, my mate Carl Chandler has a joke of I never get a, a, a. I know I don't understand people who get tattoos on their back. It's like I want to not be able to see a hawk forever. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Under, well, yeah, I don't understand any of it to be honest. But 
Um, yeah, we've got some diehard fans out there, Danny, much like much like you, but perhaps, you know, we could I could see a nice like, you know, snarling bulldog creeping over your eyebrows and, and, and yapping at your, your right ear. I think that'd be nice. <laughs> Well, sadly, when you're pursuing an acting career like I am, uh, you kind of have to remain clean skin. Otherwise, you're committing yourself to uh, either not getting roles or uh, spending a lot of time in the makeup chair covering them up. Yeah, or alternatively, you're committing to being the thug in every single show that you ever act in. Well, sadly, with my uh, look, uh, a lot of the briefs I'm getting are (laughs) racist inmate number three and and the like. (laughs) Oh, I did see that photo of you with the gun, and it was quite terrifying. So, um, yeah, 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 that was a great role. That's coming out uh, coming out next year, I believe. Uh, anyway, check out so, check out my socials for it. How are you uh, feeling ahead of this uh, AFLW final, Danny? Are you uh, feeling confident, non confident? Give us your, uh, your oh, tips man, and we your have, coverage. I I hate that it's at Victoria Park, um, which I do love as an old ground. I love it uh, because it's close to my house. I love the vibe there. I hate that we have not won there since the, I believe, the seventies. It's uh, it, I've never. I'm like Owen, Owen six going to games there, men and women, obviously, and it's just never a fun day. And it's not even close. It's no, never been a, a technical decision decided on points. Collingwood always thump us there, so I'm feeling very nervous about our first match there. I think it's the first final there. Um, God and God knows how long. Uh, mm. I was once chatting to Lee Matthews about playing at Victoria Park. Clang, just dropping names. But uh, he said what he would do when he was playing for Hawthorne is uh, in the <clears throat> second half of the last quarter, he would move to the wing uh, to be nearer the dressing rooms because he knew as soon as the siren went, there's going to be 10,000 ferals running at him and he needed to get yeah, into yeah. that dressing room as quick as possible. So when even Lee Matthews is intimidated by a ground, you know. It is a fortress. Yeah, we played a couple of games there through the TAC Cup, I think, and I didn't mind it. Um, I didn't mind playing there. It was sort of like a pretty straightish ground to play at. Served the full forwards well enough. Um, played a really good game there and got absolutely abused by Darren Burek as a 16-year-old after <laughs> kicking seven. Uh, and was he not- was he your coach or was he in opposition? No. Runner. No, no, he was, he was not – I was under 16, so he was the under-18s Eastern Rangers coach. Never met the bloke in my life. And, um, yeah, had kicked sevens, missed a snap from 10 metres out on my right foot, and he just barreled me after the game telling me how selfish I was. And I was like, I just – it was 10 metres out, mate. What are you talking about? And I gave <laughs> it back to him. And anyway, apparently he hated me for like eight months after that until he like realised that I wasn't like the most – annoying arrogant prick to coach but it took me a while to win him back supposedly but oh, i was wow. like yeah i mean i'm like i'm 15 like and we've never met why are you yelling at me like who are you hey i think i think uh what was his name boris billy what they used to call boris him? Boris. boris. i think boris him, just yeah. got the vibe that you were the sort of person who would watch dexter rather than a clutch aflw game i think he's he's a good reader of personality yeah <laughs> so, uh, yeah how do we play this game? You, you've played the actual ground. What would you be doing uh, uh, tactics-wise <clears throat> to – I mean, you know, obviously we, you, you probably don't know what Collingwood are going to do, but just from a ground perspective, how would you run that game? Uh, well, I think I would um, 
look back to uh, our session with uh, with Kate O'Halloran was really interesting to me because fundamentally the AFLW and the AFL is a different game. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different style. Um, the strengths of um, the girls and the and the boys are, are drastically different. So I don't know if I'd have a huge amount of um, of insight into like specific tactics, but all I say is that like generally speaking, finals are won by not teams who so much go out on a limb and try and like reinvent the wheel. It's usually the teams who just turn up for a hundred percent of the you know individual efforts that are required to win. And what usually happens, and I think I may have uh, described this on this podcast before, but essentially the way that you can look at a game of footy is that every single person is going to have something relevant to a hundred opportunities to have an impact every single game. Now that's obviously going to go from more as midfielders and less as forwards and whatever, but just for the, the simplicity of it, if you have a hundred opportunities to, to make an impact when you're a young player in your first couple of years going into the league, you often get to the point where it's like you might, you know, win 20%, 30% of those contests. And then you'll, you know, break even 30 or 40, and then you'll have just blatant losses um, for the rest of that percentage. And, you know, some players are much better. Like you look at Bont when he came in, he's probably much more at that sort of 50 or 60% his ability to win, but he didn't have the volume of contests that he has now in his first season. But over the course of the time, what Bont is terrific at is that he doesn't re- – he rarely ever gets beaten. Like he's he might only lose 10% of contests and then 20% he halves and the rest he wins. So um, – as a team, the goal for a final series or a finals game is to lose as few as you possibly can, to make it a grind. And even if it's like we're only winning 20%, but 60% are a, a pure, you know, um, dead even draw, that's fine. Eventually, the tie will start to turn and the opposition will get frustrated and their ability to, you know, struggling to move the ball or struggling to get on top and score freely. So that's generally speaking what finals look like in my um, experience. And, you know, you just have to put yourself in a position as an individual or as a team to eventually get to the point of the game where you do have an opportunity to win and then all you have to do is go out and win. Um, so that, that'd be yeah, my overall thoughts and I'm excited. I think, um, you know, it's a great experience for a young team particularly and it can either serve as a great building block to the future or an absolute travesty that <laughs> destroys the fabric of the team. Oh. <laughs> so one way or the other, it'll it'll hopefully work out that we turn up a really good game, win, lose or draw, that we'll have a um, an opportunity to look back at as a real learning experience for the, for the whole team. Now, listeners, I just want to remind you that as, as, as intelligent and well thought out as Tom Boyd's answers are, um, he is making this up as he goes along. Boydie, what would you know? You never lost a final. That's true. That's true. I lost finals in juniors. Um, oh, I so did I, only, mate. Anyone uh, can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I probably only won five premierships over the course of my football career. You dud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lost a couple of prelims. But, like, this is, this is a, in all honesty, the reason why you lose at the junior level is the same reason you lose at the top level. And traditionally that is that you need enough players who, again, can win and harbour more contests than the other team. Because if you look at, say, I mean, the Sydney and Geelong Grand Final recently is not a great example, but if you look back to the finals that have been won previously, um, the teams that have more contributors across the board are the ones who take, tend to win. Like I still remember Nick Lawson loves telling me about uh, his uh, when he got knocked out against Geelong in the 2020 Premiership. Uh, he still tells me to this day, he goes, yeah, I had as many tackles as like half of Geelong's team and I only played 10 minutes. 
Oh wow! And that it's like that's a silly stat, but it, the the idea behind it is is true in that sense that you need as many players who contribute across the board as possible. You can't have any passengers in in finals and particularly in grand finals. So. Um, yeah, the more girls that play well, the more likely we are to win. And then it's just going to come back to seeing which cream rises to the top and, you know, our core midfield that, you know, can hopefully will us over the line. Yeah. Uh, so, sadly, I'm just looking at Collingwood's injury list. Um, they've they've, they've uh, Ruby Schleichler, I think, I believe is her name, and Erica Fowler. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not they're, – I mean, they're good players, but they're not the, the, brand, the brand name – uh, you know, household recognizable ones. We've got uh, in our injury list. Uh, I mean, we got you know, Kirsten McLeod's out for the season. Brittany Goodnecht, Aurora Smith, Millie Brown, Riley Wilcox uh, could be tested, and a big loss was uh, Elsie Bra- Elsa Brown, Eleanor Brown. They call her Elsa. Uh, she was looking devastated. She took a head knock and failed the concussion test, and looked absolutely devastated because she knew she was going to miss first week of finals. They're going to test her. See, I would love for her to get up because she's been an absolute uh, workhorse for the last couple of years in the rebuilding process. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to a player who I don't think gets enough credit in the um, AFLW team. That's uh, Elizabeth Georgia Starthus. I think she really flies under the radar and she does so many amazing things. And do you know what a main reason I reckon she doesn't get the shout-out, Boydie? Tell me. Because <laughs> she got a long name. I reckon because <laughs> AFLW gets so little coverage in the mainstream media. They're just, they're just saying things like, oh, yeah, the Bulldogs playing well, Ellie Blackburn, uh, uh, Lammy, D. Berry, and Georgia St- uh, Gabby Newton did well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do feel like, I mean, like, that's why, like, you know, so many of the players get those nicknames, right? Like, it's easier to, to say the Bond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And well, it you is got the it. You had it easy. Yeah, well, you know, I've only got bloody seven letters to choose from if you use my abbreviated first name. So, yeah, short and sweet. Short and sweet. You, you can always uh, t- a few times uh, when I've been holidaying with my wife, we've we've been called over the you know loudspeaker for whatever reason, and they always go uh, passenger call for uh, Danny McGinley, and I know they're about to say my wife's name, and there's always that pause because she's got the Ukrainian name. They go, yep, Danny yeah. McGinley, and uh, and you can hear the fear in their voice before they pronounce it. Go, and, and and his wife, can she come? Yeah. <laughs> It is funny. You can hear that in all of the uh, airport announcements, particularly when there is a complicated last name. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, don't just – what's the lesson? Don't be late for your flight all the time. It's probably the best <laughs> thing for you, for you to learn from that. They're upgrading us, mate. They're upgrading us on points. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Well, I think um, what we did uh, a couple of weeks ago was obviously go through and watch the highlights from some of the wins for the Bulldogs. And we're going to start doing that. Um, actual highlight watching on the Patreon for yes. all of our wonderful Danny Boyd Patreons. But um, get on board. Only five probably... bucks. A, five bucks a month. That's nothing. That's less than. Yeah. Uh, oh, you you work in accounting. What's that per day? Uh, it's probably like twenty cents. Twenty cents a day, cents, and all proceeds go to feeding our kids. So come on, get on board, you yep. legends. Actually, indirectly to. Oh, actually, she's starting on solids now. I was about to say indirectly to food. Through, to feeding Anna to feeding Rani, but she has started 
she has started nibbling on a few bits of banana and all that sort of stuff, which is exciting. But um, what, what we thought we'd do today is talk about probably the last really optimistic part of the AFL season for the Western <laughs> Bulldogs, other than uh, cheering Carlton's um, demise on in the last round. But yeah, that was other fun. than that, this is probably this is probably honestly. So we're looking at what rounds nine to thirteen or something like that, Danny. Yeah, it's let's quite go a, um, It's a uh, a period of time in the AFL season where. In hindsight, things look pretty bloody good compared to what they look like at the end of the year, which uh, yeah. is exciting. And so we're going to have a quick chat about uh, four or five games where we come up against obviously Collingwood, who end up finishing third, and we're, we're lucky enough to beat them. Um, we beat uh, Gold Coast, we beat West Coast by 101 points over there, yes. and then just fell short um, against the the eventual premiers in Geelong. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, do you actually, what do you remember of this period of time, Danny? Because it seems like forever ago, right? It really, yeah, it really does. I remember, actually, okay, let's just start with the Collingwood game. I'll tell you this. Do you remember that week, Boydie, you and I said uh, on our pod, it might have even been a Patreon, how pessimistic we were going into this game because Collingwood had just uh, you know, exploded into the season with all this energy and we had started so badly. It was looking pretty grim. I do remember I was texting a, a Collingwood supporting mate uh, each other. He was convinced that we were going to win. I was convinced they were going to win. This is It was really unlike me because I'm a chronic optimist, but I was feeling that we were going to get absolutely thumped and I, how wrong I was. And I, rem- <laughs> I do remember sending a gloating text, which I don't often do, but just saying I'm ver- to my Collingwood mate, saying, I'm very sorry, you were right. I was wrong to doubt you. Yeah, I, I, I remember, um, you know, I was just looking through the, st- the stats and storylines and what just popped into is uh, Big Timmy English was sick and missing games, um, which was like concerning given the uh, the authority that Collingwood have had in the ruck over the course of the last year. But if you actually look at the stat line for the day, this is probably one of the few times throughout the year where that star-studded midfield played to its hundred percent capability. Yeah, You've got Bailey Smith had twenty, uh, so forty-one disposals. McRae had thirty-seven. Trelaw thirty-five. Caleb thirty-four. Libba. 31, Dale 29 and Bont with a measly 26 and Dunks with 24 and three goals. Like, I feel like going into the year, we were so optimistic just because we had an overwhelming level of talent in that middle part of the ground. And it never felt like we got that clicking to its full potential throughout the year. I mean, Bont looked a bit hobbly at times with a, an injury that lasted basically from round one or two, I think, with the foot and ankle that he was playing with. Looked like Dunks was finding his feet and had a really good season, obviously winning a PNF, but Ads sort of fell behind a little bit, maybe with some injuries and whatever. Just couldn't seem to get it clicking. And, and those halfbacks who had such great years, um, the year before in Caleb and Bailey, probably just maybe just not, they didn't lose a step, but just, you know, by way of the team not going as well as it had previously, perhaps just didn't look quite as good either. And, you know, the one stable member of the team um, that we can always rely on was Libba and he just seemed to have an incredible season across the board. Yeah, he did. But uh, this game was so good. I mean, we, we would the score at quarter time was uh, 41 to 9 and Collingwood didn't get a goal till like the 25-minute mark and we were already uh, six six goals up at that point. Uh, we should point out, apparently Collingwood had, been, had also got the flu, Pendlebury and Jack Ginevan were out and they're real barometers for Collingwood. But let's not focus on that. Let's just enjoy the fact that we smashed them. And it's even sweeter, uh, you know, considering how well they went on to to, um, 
to to you know to one point shy of a grand final berth. And uh, man, we absolutely thumped him. I also remember Buku Kamas played really well this game, uh, mostly because me and my mate, uh, you know, every time they got the ball, the the stadium would do that Buku, and we would turn around and go, "Our oh, typical Collingwood <laughs> booing the the dark skin player," <laughs> which did not ingratiate us to the fans around us. No, <laughs> so who? I mean, and also in this game, obviously the uh, the re- reunion with um, with Lippy. Lipper, Paddy Lipinski, who obviously had a really terrific season. Um, and obviously the, uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like this game in particular, we looked like we had um, we had control of the game, which we didn't really get to show very many times throughout the year. Even in, even in the, the wins that we had against good sides, it never really felt like we had things under control. Yeah, I was a bit nervous in the start of the last quarter, but now looking at it, they only got to within twenty-five points. So I'll, uh, I should, I should relax. I should have relaxed more and enjoyed it, uh, and I did. It was a brilliant game, and it's one that I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna chuck on. We are gonna go through the highlights on uh, Patreon, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna put it on while I go about my business today in the background. Yeah, I think so. We're three and five going into this game and obviously needing a win. So that was great. And then obviously to follow it up to get back to even Stevens in terms of five and five against Gold Coast next week. And I remember this I remember this game so vividly because our great mate Luke Beveridge came out in fierce defence of uh, Aaron Norton because big Sam Collins uh, was hanging on to him like an absolute wet rag, as all good defenders should do, might I add. Mm-hmm. It's certainly mm-hmm. not supposed to be easy as a forward, but at the end of the day, when you have some monster, I mean, Sam Collins would be 110 kilos or something. Yeah. If all they're doing is just making sure that you can't run near the ball at all, it is so hard to play well. So I do remember Bevo blowing up distinctly after the game and trying to send a few clips into the AFL and then the media jumping down his throat saying, this is just good defending, mate. This is what you're supposed to do. There so we go. Yep. You know, perennially being a forward in my own, uh, in my bones, mate, and sucking about every free kick that I never got, I think <laughs> it was you know, absolutely abhorrent and they should have given Naughty about 12 free kicks. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was another good strong win because I think at this stage Gold Coast was still looking like they were going okay and they sort of threatening to be a half-decent side as they do till about round nine or ten every single year before falling away miserably. Yeah, and uh, we were doing that classic thing that we do to the Queensland teams, playing them in Ballarat at the, at, in wintertime is just always going to give us that edge. So, I, they, yeah. I, I mean, they, they put up a good fight. This was also election day. I don't know if you remember that. I was Because uh, I remember having to run out at uh, during the third quarter and uh, and vote, which uh, was really – I love voting normally, but I was really like, come on, just get, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, I'm going to get back. And that's when I do remember going in and voting and we were up by like 30 points. And then when I came out, the lead had been cut to only about 12. So I was, yeah, I was, yeah it was pretty bad. This was one also, I remember um, that around this time of year, we were sort of talking about maybe Bond just not looking quite himself and then just took this game over. As yeah. he actually, this is a funny thing, right? To, to, be very clear about my shortcomings in terms of ability to tolerate changing conditions. I hated playing on the Gold Coast, but at times I hated playing in Ballarat too. And I remember we played this practice match up there. Um, I can't remember. Maybe it was against Melbourne uh, in my first season, 2015. And, yeah. like, it was horrendously windy, terrible weather, um, and Bond just found a way and kicked, like, three or four and a half. 
And oh, this was Craigie Burn. Uh, he did it at Craigie Burn, but he also had a really good game in Ballarat one year, and I can't remember okay. who it was against. But yeah, not the, D- the um, D's. It was, was just like Bond. Bond just has, a, or maybe it was Port Adelaide. Maybe anyway, Could it doesn't be. matter. But Bond just had an ability, regardless of the conditions. Like he'd always be able to find um, or sense the time and game that it was, and, and how important it was for him to step up and just yeah, he's just plays well everywhere, which you know is why he's been probably the, one of the most consistent players to play in in, in history over the course of the last nine seasons. So, um, yeah, mate, another good win and, and sort of giving us a good sort of sense that perhaps we actually had a positive future in front of us, yep. much to our dismay. And in the next week, up against, uh, you know, the, the, the West Coast Oz kickers, they really should have been called this at this point. They were so decimated by injury and and everything. But, yeah, look, I'm never going to sneeze at a 100-point win. And we've, I feel like they never happened. And we've had three in the past two seasons. I think, um, I think like, for me, because West Coast, for the best part of 10 years, have been... Well, I mean, for the best part of 15 years, have been always good. Yes. Like since basically since 2007 or whatever it was that um, the Judd and um, and uh, help me out here, Danny. Who Cousins, Kerr, Kennedy, 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 the Judd yep. and Kennedy trade happened. So oh, that right. Um, yes, after right. yeah, uh, they've had obviously Kennedy playing incredible football for them. They've had that incredible midfield, and they seem to have rejuvenated themselves every other year to find some some guns, a bit like Geelong in a sense. Yeah, but since since the the hub that team has just gone down the drain so quickly, um, yeah, and that- it was so obvious because what well, they won the, well, the they won the premiership in twenty eighteen, right? eighteen, yep, and then twenty nineteen they were still okay, and then twenty twenty they were like we're not staying in the Gold Coast any longer, <laughs> yeah. Which is it's weird since there was that documentary about the 2020 season. I don't know if you watched it. I think what was it even? I can't even remember what Man it was. Man the Mark or whatever it was called. Yeah, something like that. And um, from that, I mean, it followed uh, Richmond. It followed uh, West Coast. It followed uh, Eddie Betts. GWS made, as well. GWS. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, anyway, G- Eagles would seem the most likable team out of that. There was some really cool uh, uh, Nick Nat just being a very charming bloke to the um, – I remember there's one scene that I particularly liked where they were all getting uh, the PCR tests and they were getting them every day. But there was one particular nurse that none of them wanted because she was rough. <laughs> and they're all sort of just like lining up and Nick Nat is trying to work out where he should stand in the line to avoid getting her. <laughs> and then inevitably he got her, of course, and he, was, and he just had to pretend. It's like, oh, no, this will be fine. And you could see the fear in his eyes because she's, she's about oh. to stab his brain. I can't imagine trying to give a bunch of draftees who were picked up like 15 years ago the heads up that, hey, in 15 years, you're going to have to deal with like which nurse you want to get a PCR test from. Because <laughs> I remember the boys telling me about it too, because obviously I'd retired by this stage. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've got to go to Eddie Had like twice a week to get tested or whatever. And they're always like trying to line up their cars <laughs> to find a nurse because there was always one who was just like, come here, grab the head, shut <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. What a, um, yeah, well, I don't know. I just, I don't know what happened to that team. They just they went from being such a perennial powerhouse with such strong senior players to, you know, quite frankly, losing by 101 points in your new stadium over in Perth against a, a mediocre team at this stage in the Bulldogs is not a great way to sort of wrap up your season. No. And uh, look, long may it last. Uh, we, we, there's, there's certain fans that I think have been spoiled, Hawthorne, 
Uh, now Geelong, uh, Sydney, uh, West Coast, and now it's, they just need a, a, a proper lean period. I'm not talking, you know, oh, we haven't won a flag in eight years. No, I'm talking you need at least uh, a generation, you know, of kids who never saw a premiership growing up. Yeah, and also, you know, the, the high likelihood is, given how um, big a fan base and how strong football culture is in the West, that they'll be just fine and they'll be okay in a couple of years' time. So we can just let them suffer for you know, 24, 36 months, I think, probably better. Uh, oh, oh, even more. Yeah, let's go 48. Well, potentially what we do is we just let them get up to almost good and then keep them out of the finals like Carlton. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. That's... That's what we're hoping for. All right, let's go to the next game in Geelong where pretty much the opposite to the Collingwood game. I was feeling kind of optimistic about this and then we got spanked in that first quarter, the score at quarter time, 44 to 11. Now, we weren't going to focus on the losses, but we this one had a bit of a, like after halftime, we, at halftime the score is 54 to 30. We score uh, 30 points. They only score, uh, oh no, we no, actually they Pretty even with us. Hang on. What's going on here with my maths? Uh, this is my state schooling coming we through. We were down the whole game and we seemed to rally from being down basically from the beginning of the uh, the first quarter all the way through to almost getting there, just getting close enough to make it interesting. Yeah, and they got two late goals which flattered them. So, yeah, we got to within, uh, got to within four points halfway through the last quarter and it looked really good for us. And then uh, they inevitably, they did a Geelong, what they always do against us and broke our hearts. Yeah, there's there's two things that are worth talking about um, from this game, I think, before we wrap up, Danny. And the first is that Bally Smith headbutted an Irishman. And two, um, That's right. who may, by the way, Zach Tui may be one of the toughest players to have played in a significant period of time. So not convinced he was prime target number one. And two, we just can't beat this mob. Like, oh, no. We can't beat them. And I don't know why. I mean, one, they play that ground that's basically a cheat code to life. But two, um, they just always seem to have the wood over us for some reason. And I can't exactly get a finger on it, but they did end up being the premiers, obviously, this year, as everyone is well aware of by now, because they won't stop talking about it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> only again, only for like you, mate, those... who, who lives down in Anglesey half the time. The rest of us can yeah. avoid the Bellarine Peninsula pretty easily. Well, I think the the thing that it um, overwhelmingly, before we talk about those two things, that like looking at the season in in segments like this, you can get this really like warped perception on how we went this year. Like, if we just take these five games or four or five games, you're looking at basically, you know, beating, beating, you know, the team that finished third, convincingly beating two good sides and absolutely demolishing another one. Yeah. And you're also looking at, you know, we're within two and a half goals of the, the team that ultimately went out uh, and beat Premiers, even though Jeremy Cameron kicked six against us and didn't look like anyone was playing on him the whole night. So, like, we almost look good. But the problem is the season is 23 rounds long. <laughs> yeah. As you always say, yeah, you, you, you don't want to be like you. You're the only person who gets a bit uh, depressed if we win round one convincingly. <laughs> well, I don't get depressed about winning round one. I think the, the, the warped um, – so I think the ultimate goal is for teams is you want to go in a couple of wins um, up on your losses into the bye, basically. So if you take halfway through the season, round 12, if you're seven and five, you're going, all right, like you're, you're in a really good spot. But 
if you're five and five and then you're losing this one, so you're five and six, it's like it's not it's not two games difference. It's like it feels like seven because you you just lose all of your room for error, all of your room for injuries, all of your room for COVID or the flu or any other sickness that went through, and you just end up basically having to run the table and have a perfect season to finish, which is obviously very unlikely. And what about if you're, you're 12 and zip? I mean, that'll never happen to the Bulldogs, but uh, how, would you be nervous no, no, then? it's too easy for us. No, I, no. You, like, I, I think that, that um, I think the 12 and zip thing or like going undefeated for a significant period of time and having not done this at the AFL level, I'm only speaking from perception. Um, I think that is vastly something that fans probably feel more so. Like they're nervous that like perfection is impossible. So how are we going to win? But I think if you look across the draw for the last couple of years, like for the most part, those teams who or like the last 10 years, because Geelong obviously had a couple of runs, but they were doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. If you look at those teams, they tend to get to like round 16 or something or 15 or whatever it is. And then they eventually lose a couple. And it yeah. sort of like resets them and gives them the like monkey off the back to go, it doesn't really matter. We're not going for perfection here. We just want to win a premiership. And there's a reason they won 15 straight in the first place and that tends to shine through to finish the year as opposed to thinking like, oh, God, we have to go this perfect season. Okay, so you've heard it here first, folks. Uh, uh, winning a lot of games is good. This is the insight that you come to here on Danny Boyd. Uh, we will continue reviewing our wins uh, next week. I think we'll do the rest of the season, which we had about six wins uh, next week when Boydy and I are in the same room. I'm in Sydney at the moment, by the way. If you're, if you're in Sydney, come to the Comedy Store this weekend. You can see me uh, uh, telling jokes and laughter will come out of your mouth. Uh And, uh, yeah, if you want to hear us review these wins uh, with footage that you can watch along to, uh, get on the Patreon. uh, It's less than 20 cents a day. Uh, Unless you – but you can give us, like, megabucks. You know, you can give us $2,000 a month and we will mow your lawn. That is – that's one of the the layers in there. Uh, So far, Peter Gordon hasn't taken it up. But, uh, you know, Hemsworth, we know you listen. (laughs) Exactly right, and you've got to remember that you can be contributing to you know a very well well thought out cause. Because if I have to mow someone's lawn, my back is going to break, which means I'll need the money to pay for the surgery. And yeah, it's a full circle. You're basically sending a private kid, kids, <laughs> private uh, school kid to school for about forty five minutes. <laughs> that sounds like fun. All right, thanks for listening. Don't forget. Uh, by the way, we, we haven't mentioned for a while. You can get t-shirts um, for our sh- uh, for our pod. Uh, Boydie's got a book. I've got a stand-up special. You can stream. Got stubby holders, um, and we will be doing a live show uh, before the men's season kicks off next year. This will finally be happening where we review the 2016 finals with some of the champions that uh, that, that won it for us. Uh, we will t- be confiscating phones just so real stories can be told that won't be put on social media. Uh, it's going to be a great day. That's all coming up. Uh, thanks for listening. Boydie, do you have anything else to plug while I'm on the sale? No, go down and uh, watch the girls this weekend and give them as much restrained support as possible because it's a community game. No, go no nuts. No, it's finals. No swearing. Sunday no, no- at 3.10. Sunday 310, it's not, uh, and you know, go, go nuts. But yeah, go the not swearing, Go, but go over the top positive. That's the vibe of AFLW that we love. So just be there screaming, you are so damn good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Boydie.
Today's episode was proudly brought to you by 8 Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook, 8 Star Energy. I gave my childhood to that role of the red, white and blue sea. And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day And I will throw it at your feet it's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets